You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is uh, Raul Bag versus Rabbi Yoyna, and still very much in the shadow and influence of the recent passing of the Godel Hador, Rav Chaim Kanievsky Zechert Sadek And I was thinking that we probably would say that, and, and I think it's probably going to be hold true. I mean, we're not going to be alive, but I would assume in generations to come, Rav Chaim would be rightly considered from the insiders. He would be considered yes, this is what people are going to be learning, his Torah, and deservedly so. And people would say that Rechaim, although he's going to perhaps not shock you, but he's going to, in a way, super impress you and make you think about something new, you're not going to see Rechaim as a maverick. Rechaim is sort of, I represent the Torah. I represent the Messiah. This is the way you should think. And of course, he's an Akron of Achronim after hundreds and hundreds of years. And you know, however, that he lines up with, although with a new approach, a little bit different, but Rechaim is from the insiders. We know that. Rabag, although he lived, Rechaim would say he's a Rishon, and he had to have tremendous COVID, and I'm sure he knew Rabag's. He, he, we would probably say, yeah, Rabag is on the outside. Rabag's are outsiders. Right. What Chaim is going to tell you is from Chazal, a new understanding of Chazal, a, a way to see Chazal in a different light, a way to understand Chazal properly. And yet, I'm going to show you a parallel between them here. Despite the Rabad being an outsider, you're going to see an idea that, is, that, that I think has resonance in Rechaim. Uh, I'm going to start with that, and then I'm going to do some other pieces from both of them. We know it's Shloshim Yom, as I said, Kavod Machak. This, this Shloshim that's going to end a little bit before Pesach is really a time that we know, according to Chazal, according to the Midrashim, is a time to entrench ourselves in the laws of Pesach and to think about what we need to do and it's this month of Rav Chaim that Rav Chaim's relatives are being misabel, that all Klal Yisrael is being involved in Hilchus Hachag. So I think it's appropriate that we share some parts of Rav Chaim's ideas about Pesach, but also in light of Ralbag. So let's start with Ralbag. Let's start with what's considered perhaps the most well-known psukim about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And you see that it's on the board here. Okay. structure of the redemption. Tell them, I am Ani Hashem. No more Ekias. Otsesi Eschem mitachas siblos mitzrayim, v'itzalti Eschem me'avodosam, v'ga'alti Eschem b'zroen etuyah, v'shvatim g'dobi. So we know, Chazal tell us that this Pasuk is really not only the different stages of redemption, but it serves as one of the templates 
for what we do during the Seder and the four Kaisas or Kanega, these four Lishonas of Geula. Vahotseisi, Vihitsalti, Vigaalti, that's three. What is the next one? Vilvakahti, Eschem Lila'am, Vahisi Lachem Lulkim. Now, I've spoken in the past about, and many of you have heard about, of course, what happens to the fifth Losha, which is the Hevesi And why isn't there a fifth cup? And is the fifth cup going to Hevesi But most of you will probably try to figure out how these three are different. And of course, Vlakachti is probably the easiest one to see how it's different. That seems to be at the end. Now, there's some that say that's Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. I'm sorry, that's my as a people. That's like Lukuchen, like marriage, where also Lokalisha. That's where we become the Amashem. Um there are others that say that Vulakahti might happen by Yamsuf. Maybe that's when they all said Hashem Yimlich, that's where they knew God was God. But it clearly is a later stage. What's what sometimes problematic is to know what's the difference between Vahotseisi and Vihitsalti. Vahotseisi eskem mitach ha-sivlos mitzrayim, Vihitsalti eskem avodosam. Now, Gaalti, most learn, have to do with the moment of Geula. That's the moment that we left mitzrayim, right? Is it right? That's when, especially as we know in Sefer Vayikra, when it talks about a field that needs to be redeemed by a relative, Geula Tiyalo. It's going to go back to its place. So Geula and Lakachti, we could probably understand as relating to the night we left Mitzrayim, Kriyas Yamsuf, Maimed Arsinai. But what's the difference between Hotseisi and Hitzalti? And of course, and I'm sure Bob and the others here, you've probably learned about, you've probably seen Mephorshim that have tried to explain that there is a difference. That and some say Bahotseisi is when we actually stopped working, but Hitzalti is when they didn't even expect us to work. Some say that. Um, right? Because one is you don't, you're, the Sivlos Mitzrayim are no longer bonding them, bond, uh, bearing down on us. It was right. And the other is the Avoda, which means the shame Avdus. You're not, you're not an Evid at all. Um, but they seem to be very similar. Um, at least to the point that to distinguish and say there's four cups, what did God mean by each four? So first, I, I want to point out to you that the Raubach really combines Lotzeis and Vitzalti. And you can see right here that the Raubach says, when he talks about these Lashonos, he says, in, and you can see it here on the board. Okay. He puts them all together. And he tzalti is the same. You see how he says avodosam? That's avodosam akosha. Tachas is here. So he combines these two. 
And therefore he says, look, I don't care. I don't need the Medrash or the, that it's the Dalit Kosos. He's not forced. Look, sometimes God is, 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 is getting to the point, but it's not necessarily distinct Lishonos of Geula. Now, and, and, and this would be, now Gaalti is different. Gaalti is that they are actually redeemed. Be'emtsas makos niflos sho'ovi Now, what is Lakachti? We go to the next passage. Lakachti says, Uve'emtsos eilu haniflos. Eschem li la'am. Ekach eschem li la'am. So basically, what this is about is the fact that the Rabag's opinion is, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's purpose in the Makos was to change the spiritual mindset of Klal Yisrael to really elevate them and make them worthy of the super hashkocha of God. And that's what it means, Eschem Lilaam. Doesn't necessarily mean Maimon Harsinai or anything like that. But now I really have a relationship with them. And that's what it says. I'm going to be their God, Ulamanig, because I am connected to them. Now, and that's what he says. Vizet ki ribui haniflos sheechadesham lahutziaschem in Mitzrayim. The purpose of these miracles is Yavi. It brings aschem lahaminbi shani shawet awanimtzos. It makes them know completely that God controls everything. Umashkiach bidveikimbi. And I am the one that cares about those that are connected to me to save them from anything that happens. So the purpose, and we've talked about this in the past, is to turn us into different beings. It doesn't necessarily refer to Maimon Harsinai specifically as it does to who we are. Okay, so that is one thing. The other thing that I want to point out here is Tashlishi Hubideos. God connects to the ones that he cares about. And how does he change them? To give them spiritual benefits. And to, and, and, and to be able to fend off those negatives. So therefore, the reason why God cares about us and didn't let us die, as we've said before, and the Rabbag has explained, is because of our connection to our ancestors. And he knew he needed to change us to give us this emuna that we spoke about. And in order that we shouldn't think that there's other gods, we shouldn't think there's other powers. And how did that happen? The Mashahira Miribui Osas and Mopsim Mitzrayim. Because the miracles which we saw, which we took into ourselves by our sight and mind, makes us understand that we, there's only one God, and we know that we can now become sort of philosophers knowing there's only one God. And God controls everything, and he is now so connected to us that we are going to be able to get Israel even before it's time. And this was one of the things, because we need to become special people, that we need to become elevated more than the people who are living in Canaan, who, who can, are going to get kicked out because of us. And this is what God told Avraham in the Brisbane Absorim. Now, this type of connection to us, which means we're going to get the land, the only way we're going to get it 
even though God promised it to us, is that we need to become different people. We have to become worthy of God really bending the rules for us. Now, in terms of why we didn't die in Mitzrayim, that's because we were the children of Avrovitz and Yaakov. The reason why we didn't die when most would have died, in other words, there were two things. First of all, as we saw in the burning bush when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, the burning bush was the symbol of the fact that why aren't we destroyed? Why isn't, why as we as a nation did not crumble with the type of harsh servitude? The reason was God kept us alive because of the promise to the Ovos. Even if we weren't actually elevated and, and higher intellectual beings. This hashgacha, that within a year, we were changed. Not that we didn't die, but that we now can march to Harsinai and, and act like we were philosophers and be ready, to, had it not been for the sins, to go into Knan and kick those Knan and out. What did God do? Let's read it again. In about a year's time, what did God do? What did, what did God take? Not that he took us out of Egypt and that was so amazing because the Mitzrim have some sort of mystical power that nobody can leave them. No. Do you know what the great miracle of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is? that he was able, unleashing these plagues and wonders, to cause a change in us, in our intellectual, spiritual, emotional status. And it was so great that it, may, it caused us, not with some magic like the Rambam says, that, that we, we sort of were elevated to a level. It's true, the, the nisim of of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim had their organic effect because God meted them out with such incredible power in a, after, one after the other that he knew how to gauge how that change would happen and, and how in processing how we would change. But not that we were somehow on an artificial, psychological, spiritual level. We actually reached that level through God's help. And that was the miracle of how he changed us. And you see, seven weeks later, we were ready to accept the Torah completely like, science, like, like philosophical intellectual beings. That's what God said. That I, I took you on what? I took you on the wings of eagles. What does that mean? He took us on the wings of eagles and I brought you to me. Right? Ratzalomar, Shahu Hivim Lavodoso. He brought us from being basically ignorant, small minded, vicious thinking slaves into being able to actually stand to be ready to accept a covenant of God to live as an elevated philosophical being. God did that. 
And you know what he did that? He did that because he did it so quickly. That's the Kanfei Nisharim. Just like just like he was pushing us towards it as if an eagle, when an eagle takes its babes, when an eagle takes its chicks. So what does it do? It flies with incredible speed compared to other birds. And that was really where it's going. So that is the nace of, in the, in the Rabad's terms, of what the nace of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim is. Yes, of course, the, 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 the actual miracles need, the Rambam says you need to be myrich about how each miracle worked and how kinim worked and, 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 and to be myrich about them all. According to the Rabad, that, that's really secondary. That was really a means to an end to where we got. Do you want to know what the real miracle is? That we became something different. That's, that is the main nace of, 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 of at the end of, of, of Parsha Shmos, right? In the Parsha Shmos, it sounds like Moshe has basically, you know, has, has become very, if not depressed, but he's become uh, disappointed that things are not working out. And he tells to God how, look, we came to Paro and Paro really didn't want to uh, actually react to the opposite. It's really getting worse. You sent me and now they actually are working harder and it's almost like, and, and now that people hate me, they actually, the, the leaders are telling me that I'm making things worse for them. All right. So God really says, um, that's what you think, right? Um, the truth is, I think, he says, things are going to change and you're going to see. And then, of course, he begins his monologue about what Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim is about and the, and the Lashonas of Geula that we saw. What happens next? God has told him, emor So, Moshe does say that. They didn't listen to him. Okay, so most interpret this as that people, and Ms. Sharon famously mentions this Pasik, that sometimes you're hearing the right thing, but because you're in the wrong state of mind, you can't really process it. If you're so busy running around doing stuff because you can't breathe, because you've got to go on to the next thing, or the work is being done to you in a way that you don't have a right, right to think or process, you could be hearing the best ideas and they're not going to enter into your head. Okay. Um, God, Moshe says to God, um, I'm saying God says to Moshe, okay, go to Paro. And, and Moshe again says, look, I tried to tell your message to the Bay Israel, they didn't listen. How is Paro going to listen? All right. The next Pesach says, Moshe, God says, I'm speaking to Aaron as well, go to Paro. Then the Torah does something weird. The Torah like, has like a, like, a, like a break in the middle, and the Torah then gives you a list of who are the heads of the, of the tribes, and it starts with Ruvain and Shimon, and then it gets to Levi, and it gets into detail, and it tells you about who they are, and it gives you the, the, the lineage of and, and, and the pedigree of Moshe and the family, and it sets up a lot of stuff that's going to happen in the future with Korach and others, and even, right? After that, the Torah says, 
Go tell Paro everything I just said, right? And then it says, Moshe says to Moshe says to God, Hey, Nani, are um, I'm not able to talk. How is Paro going to listen to me? And Hashem says, no, I'm, you will be the God figure. You will be sort of like the prophet. You're going to be this, in this esteemed state. You're going to be the Elohim. And Aaron will be the one who talks. You go and speak. Aaron will be the one who will actually do the words. And you'll see things will happen. Okay. This seems to be repetitive of what we read earlier. And, 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 and some of our say, we don't, why we took the break but now we're getting you back. It's almost like, okay, I know we took this break, so here's a bunch of psukim to catch you up to where we were. But it would seem, right, that, that this is, these are phrases which are unnecessary. That, that, that's the problem with this, with this section. Okay. Now, the Rambag has a... Moshe Omar Bizulas Emtsius Aaron. In other words... Moshe, God sort of was teaching Moshe a lesson. God told Moshe, look, you're the one, you need to speak to the Yisrael, tell them this. He says, you speak, you talk. Even though Aaron's your partner here, this crucial message with its elements of what the purpose of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, you need to articulate this. And as the Rabag explains further, he says, Moshe did that. Without Aaron. Now, normally you'd say it's because they were so beaten, because they had been so, as all the Mephorshim say, what the Mesilis Yisharim indicates, that when a person is not able to think properly, he can't absorb information. But the Rabag puts the onus on Moshe. Look what he says. The Lohiminu Yisrael would divrei Moshe. Why? Who's the Kotzer Ruach? Moshe's Kotzer Ruach. Now, Avoda Kosha might be them, but Moshe is missing something in his ruach. His ruach is too short. Let's read the Pasuk again. And I want you to, to recognize how, how novel the point is. Let's look at the Pasuk again. Loshomo el Moshe mikotze ruach. Rabag suggests is Moshe's ruach. It's, in other words, they didn't listen to him because Moshe didn't put enough of a spin in it. Moshe wasn't the right person at this point to say it to them. Why? He needed to think in advance. Who am I talking to? I'm talking to people who are not yet on a level. I know God wants to get them there, but they need to hear things in a different way. They need to hear some, they need some bells and whistles. They need things done in a way that I have to come up with a good metaphor. I need to like startle them. I have to lead them point by point as if I'm starting with kids in the basement to get them up some levels. Rabbi Kevin Yes. I, 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 it is kind of... Moshe said it. Because what did Moshe need to do? He needed to do what? He needed to take God's words and not just repeat them verbatim. He needed to sort of like come up with a, 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 an angle, a hook, maybe add some poetry on them, 
Now, why was Moshe not able to do that? So if you remember, Moshe said, when the way the Rabag explained, why did Moshe or stick, dig his heels in and say, don't send me, I don't want to go. And I wasn't good today, I wasn't before. Since you started talking to me, I haven't been good. So the Rabag came up with an incredible idea that actually, it's not that Moshe felt he was bad beforehand. It's not that Moshe was a stutterer. Aralus Fasayim meant that once Moshe had become an initiate into intense prophecy, Moshe lost that ability to just be a, uh, a, 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 a standard human being that was able to talk and converse. He was sort of, his brain was operating way beyond, and therefore he was thinking about you know, abstract ideas that caused him to be sort of like the ultimate absent-minded professor who wasn't able to, uh, who couldn't really talk about anything. And, and well, that was, doesn't that apply to the Levium also? They were never, they were never. Moshe's, like in his own world, because he's thinking about God, he's thinking about creation. He's, he's really not in this moment in time. He's actually thinking about the Big Bang and beyond and how everything in the universe works. Kamosha Kodam. And I'm saying and that, the Levium are also, they're, they're not in the, in the mindset of needing... Right, right. but you're saying here in a... Okay, you're, you're using the Raubat to say the Levium, because they haven't been subjected to the pain, can't really be like a voice of the people for them. Okay, that's Richard... Kolos, or or they might not have even realized the, the, the status of the people. Maybe yeah, they even could have gone okay. beyond that. Okay, so listen, you and Bob have a good discussion going among yourselves about what's going on with the Levium and why the Levium are good agents, why they're not good agents. The truth, though, is, again, with the Raubag, your question is, Bob's question, and your point is really unnecess- unnecessary because nobody could understand what Moshe was doing, right? The point was Moshe is the one who has the message. And if Moshe's message is, Moshe is too much in, 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 the, in the clouds, in the universe, in the Olam HaBriya, like the name of my new granddaughter, the Bria, right? That's where he is. He's in the Olam before that. So therefore, so they also, so in other words, it's a combination. The Rabag actually then says that this is a lesson to us all. What's the lesson? Let's take a look. What's the lesson? The lesson is, Midos. When you want to get, when you want um, to get something from someone, someone to be moved, to change, you need to write it down, you need to get your speech, your bullet points, you need to actually maybe put certain phrases in, because you know what you're doing. You're, look what he says here. You're getting there. You, you, you are catching them about what you want to lead them to. So you've got to work on trapping them and getting them and getting them interested, involved. And you need to come up with beautiful words that, that, that strike a chord within them. You need to relate. Right? You need to relate. Yeah, okay, you're right. That's the that that is a that is true. I think he is a little bit more of a of of he's more of a of a of a literary person, and he's saying 
you also have to come up with terminology that in, not only relates to them, but also in a way is beautiful to them. It engages. Wow. It, engages, it, it makes engages. them think about it. Whatever, whatever it is, Shakespeare had it. Lincoln had it, right? There, there was a certain aspect of how to put it in a way. Inspire. inspire. In, inspiring, but also using metaphor and poetry to do that. Why? Because that will seduce them to listen. They are so enraptured by the way you put that idea that they were ready to follow you. If you don't work on it and plan it, now, even though even though this is for their benefit. This mimer that Moshe was supposed to say, which is the four Lashonas of Geula, the whole story, like the beginning of Parshat Zvaira, which is the essence of what Yitzhak Mitzrayim is, it fell on deaf ears. Why? It would seem to just tell you how good I'm going to be with you. It should get them to start believing. Because Moshe didn't have the time to do that. He was like too busy. His ruach was, was not large enough. In order to like really put it down line by line in a way that what? Ba'ofan sholem biderech shiyifutu lahamim midvarov. He did not use enough. He didn't. He didn't work hard enough to 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 put the speech over. Now to us, we would say this is great, but we again because we're used to we are we we're. we're we're used to already accepting, and we, we want to find as much depth in it as possible. Ralbag is saying the words, the way they were, sounded repetitive. They were not elaborated. They were not explained strongly enough. There wasn't other stuff that motion needed to add to it. But look what he says. Aaron could do that. In other words, Moshe was Aral's Fasayim. Because what does Aral's Fasayim mean? He's too involved. Now, he said every single word, but he, but he wasn't meant to just say these words. He was meant to, and Aaron was able to understand what Moshe wanted. And maybe it's like you're saying, Richard, he's one of the people, but it was more than that. Aaron was a speaker, and Aaron understood what he needed, and therefore he could change. And that's what God said, I'm going to make Aaron the speaker. And that's really now. So this is the Raubag's idea, which sounds a little bit off, but Rav Chaim Kanievsky says essentially the same thing. I want to show you how Rav Chaim says it, and he proves it from Chazal. So here's Rav Chaim. But you know what? He says, why later doesn't, why later doesn't Moshe say the Kalvachomer again? Hey, if Klal Yisrael didn't listen to me, how's Paro going to listen to me? So he says, Rav Chaim, if you go to Makas Daf if you'll see that whenever it says the word Dibur, it's tough language. Amira Uloshan Raka. What did God say? Omar Lebnei Yisrael. 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 Omar L
with B'nai Yisrael. You need to speak with them softly. The Haina Balash and Raka. But Moshe, right? What did Moshe do? Moshe was Vayadaber Moshe Gaino B'nai Yisrael, right? Moshe said it, but he said it in, 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 a, in a strict. Now, again, Raubag says that he didn't add the metaphors, he didn't add the poetry. Chaim says that the reason why they didn't listen again was Moshe's fault, because Moshe used a strident tone, the difference between Dibur and Amira. And that's what it says in the Shmos Rabbah, that Moshe said there are two things. B'nai Yisrael aren't going to listen, and I'm Araus Fasayim. The Medrash says God answered him back. If you look at the Medrash, what does it say? What is Vitzavim? What happens later in Parshas Ve'era? In other words, you said B'nai Yisrael didn't listen. Look at Chaim Kanevsky. It's your fault, Moshe. They would have listened. I commanded you. In other words, the problem with the Ralbag is God sets Moshe up for failure. God knows that, according to the Ralbag, God knows that Moshe is Mr. Hisbotidus, right? And he actually didn't tell him, choose arrows, as you tell him, right? In order for us to learn this lesson, I guess, that how important it is for even a person who's so elevated to put his notes and know his audience, etc. The way Rav Chaim learns, Moshe really, in a way, didn't follow the exact command of God. He was told Emor, he was Meyadabir, and that's why God said, you know what you need to do? I'm commanding you to, to deal with them in a softer way. You paro, paro, talk to him tough because you are another head of state and you've got to pick up the phone and be strong like you'd be strong to Putin. That's the way you've got to talk to him. That's why Moshe doesn't use the Kalvachomer anymore, right? <laughs> because it isn't a Kalvachomer. What was Moshe? He said, Ben Yisrael didn't listen. For sure, Paro won't. Hey, I just explained to you, God, why the Bethesda didn't listen? Because you did it wrong. So the, if you would have done, they need Amira. Paro needs Dibur. And that's why he says that Aaron. Now, if I would tell you the Rabag, you'd say, of course, Rabag, he's always looking for ways like that, right? But Rafaim, using Medrashim, Right and using the Medrashim, the two Medrashim, the Gemara and Makis, and the Medrash Rabbah, pretty much comes out on the side of the Ralbag here <laughs> that this can be put, blamed on Moshe Rabbeinu. Now you want to call it his bodidus, right? The Moshe, right? Either way, Moshe is at fault. Now, does he go so far as to say that that's what Kotzeruach is? No, he doesn't say that. Right? That Rachaim doesn't. But you can see here that the insider and the outsider are, in a way, uh, connected uh, completely as far as that goes. I want to Rabbi share with you. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think you're beginning to convince me. That I think has become paramount in our time. And maybe it's a good thing because we have children that know much more than their parents. Now, what happens is that you have children who are Balichuva, children of Tishivas, and now they come home for the night of the Seder. 
and they are clearly the superior knowledge person about the story. And yet, you know, the father who's, you know, a decent person, but isn't as learned, isn't as well-versed, who should lead the Seder? So this was a question that was asked to the former chief Svardiro of the Rishon Lutzion, Rav Mordechai Elihu, Rav Mordechai Eliyahu. And Rav Mordechai said, logically, when we say, it means the way things were, that a father knew more, and the father gives it over to the child. But if you have a situation where the situation is reversed, where the son knows more, then the son should lead the Seder because he's going to be able to give over the information to the assembled people in a better way. Right? So even though there's Kibbutz, but that's not what it's about. It's about discovering, and, and Rav Mordechai brings a proof, because the Gemara says that if you have, you know, uh, there's no son, so the, the, the husband gives it over to the wife. Or the Tamid HaChachamim, they pick one who's like the father figure, and he gives over to the ones who need it more. So they asked this question also to Rav Chaim Kanievsky. So he said, I can hear the logic that if the son knows more, so maybe there's no idea of being Mesopher him, the mitzvah. But you know what? He says, I think there's a mitzvah, even if he is greater than his father. And a great Talmud Chacham and his father is Namoritz. Because Yes, he's going to hear the father reading from the Maxwell House Haggadah text. And he is already in Kailu for 20 years. But he's going to gain something when he hears it. When he hears those again, some wheels are going to turn in his mind when he has to assume the position of listening. Rav Chaim felt there was a parallel to this idea. The Gemara says in Brochos, Rav Chaim said, that if you miss one night of Kriyashma, it's like you never read Kriyashma in your life. If you miss one night of Kriyashma, Dome Kamishal Koyo Kriyashma, what does that mean? Sometimes we're depressed, we're upset, we're up, or whatever it was. So he says the reason, he quotes the Dubna Magid. What is Kriyashma about? Doing it day in and day out. It means, the Dubna Magid said, there's a Masora of night to day, day to night. There's something about that chain which is important. And Rav Chaim says, it's true for you and your personal life in all generations. So it turns out but if you miss one night, the idea of the broken chain, of the unbroken chain, withers, flitters away. He said that, now of course, his father was known as the Stipler Goyim, the Kivas Yaakov. He said up until the time that his father died, his father wanted his son to come to him and learn with him and teach him because he wanted to be Mekayim, the mitzvah of teaching his son Torah. Now, it's possible, of course, that the stipler was, Rechaim's father, was his son's superior, and he probably was in some ways. But I don't think the stipler felt that way. He just felt, look, my son might have already surpassed me. My son maybe knows more than me. But I still have a mitzvah to teach him, because that is crucial, the way things are set up. Things don't turn just because now the son knows more and I can't teach him anything. Rav Chaim said, 
um, that when it comes to Higada to Levincha, he says that it's possible, you know, you become a grandfather and now there's a bunch of children at your table and grandchildren. It could be, which was what most people do, is who says the Manishtana? The youngest grandchild, right? The grandchild comes in. So the grandchild is good enough because the grandchild represents the one who probably knows the least and he'll ask. Now there's a question, Rav Mordechai Lee, who deals, should he ask the fathers or can you just ask the one who's running the Seder or happens to be the grandfathers? And they talk about this question. But he says that the, the Rechaim said that when his grand, when his father was running the Seder and there were grandchildren galore, he said, I want you to ask Rav Chaim. <laughs> you know, even though you can imagine Rav Chaim had already written Svarim, he'd already been known as a bulky mufla <laughs> in Kolatai Rakula. And here he was by his, by his father with his own children and, you know, and, and, and his father said, no, we, uh, it has to be the son who's asking, Rav Chaim, asking his father. Even though Rav Chaim probably had Midrashim at his fingertips, the baby, his father wasn't aware of it. Maybe they were equals. But the point is, is that it doesn't necessarily spin on, like Rav Mordechai Liu says, who is the greater knowledge and who is the one who knows the least. The idea of, 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 of the Mesorah is part of, it's embedded in the, the, the Bria itself which is father to son, some of despite the fact that there's these bumps where the sons know more. And Rav Chaim felt it would appear that that would be the better way to run. That's the better way to go, despite the fact that you know more than your dad, and despite the fact that your dad, right? And, and you could say it's all about keep it off, but I don't think so. I think there is this, 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 there, there's this meta idea it isn't just who can give the information over who needs it more. It's really about Kriyashma and the Mesorah have to go from that way. And I think, look, that is probably, I don't know if that's an insider's take or an outsider's take, but I wanted to share it with you because I know that for many people think about this. And I think Rav Chaim, look, if Rav Chaim could sit there and ask the Manishtana, oh, <laughs> your, your son should, be, should not be embarrassed to be asking it as well, despite the fact that their, their kids are here. Because that bond is somehow a primal one, even though in this specific manifestation, the son, has, the son knows more. There's something about like night leading into day and day leading into night that this is all one unit. Okay, that's it for tonight. We shall see you hopefully when we'll let you know if- Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.